Welcome back to Via the Source, where you can get news about the entire NFL and, of course, the Miami Dolphins. Fins up. Here's Steven, your host. What's up, guys? Today's date is December 24th. I'm Steven Masso. As always, you're listening to Via the Source. Now, before we begin with today's episode, I want to say and wish everybody a Merry Christmas Eve or Merry Christmas if you're listening to this on Christmas Day. I want to, you know, take this time to uh, hope you guys are doing good. Hope you guys are spending the holidays well. And I want to, again, thank you guys for all the continued support. The amount of downloads and listens that the podcast has been getting lately is tremendous. And I can't thank you guys enough and it's awesome to see especially on Twitter uh, just how everyone is becoming a lot more unified with the dolphin success it's something that makes me uh, very happy to see and I'm glad you guys are enjoying uh, the podcast and again thank you guys for tuning in so often now to begin uh, with the preview for the episode the Dolphins will face off against the Las Vegas Raiders on Sunday at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas the Dolphins are nine and five on the cusp of that playoff appearance and the Raiders are are 7 and 7 and have been up and down so far this season. So we'll begin as always by taking a look at the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins offense will once again be led by rookie quarterback Tua Tungavailoa. Tua is coming off of another solid performance against the Patriots. Admittedly, it was one that didn't really require the most from him. Tua now has 3 rushing touchdowns in the last 2 games, raising the question, is he the best left-handed scrambling quarterback of all time? Now now, of course, all jokes aside, word to Michael Vick and Steve Young, uh, Tua's lack of weapons has forced him to take to the ground more. He's displayed his terrific mobility in the pocket as well as sneaky level of elusiveness while scrambling, something that I think most probably underestimated given that hip injury that he sustained in college. Now, last week featured Tua's worst mistake, I would say, of his career so far. He made a poor decision while being hit, lofting a ball into the end zone that was easy easily intercepted. Tua acknowledged that mistake during Wednesday's press conference. He said, and I quote, the first one where I threw the interception was rookie-esque, throwing that ball blindly. I could have just took the sack. We had points there, close quote. Now, aside from that interception, Tua has been undeniably secure with the ball, though. Many have critiqued his reluctance to throw the ball downfield. Tua said it's just part of the game plan. He said, quote, I believe this game is about taking what the defense gives us. If they continue to give us things underneath, I'm going to take it. And if there's a shot and it's open, that's when I'm going to take it. Close quote. Now the running game is coming off of their best performance in years. Last week, the Dolphins totaled 250 rushing yards with a team high 122 yards on the ground from running back Savon Ahmed. Matt Breida was also heavily involved though, totaling 86 yards on the ground. On Wednesday, the Dolphins activated Miles Gaskin from the COVID-19 reserve list. Gaskin has been the lead back whenever he was healthy enough to play, but with Ahmed's success, it seems pretty likely that the two will be splitting carries in this game. Now, as previously mentioned earlier this season, Gaskin and Ahmed uh, split carries in 2018 while teammates at Washington. The two of them totaled 1,989 yards and 19 total rushing touchdowns. Now, 
Jaskin's patient style of running and his ability to maneuver inside is impressive. It seems like the two will be a perfect complement when you consider that Ahmed's got that blazing speed. This truly seems like a threatening one-two punch, something that Dolphin fans haven't been able to say in years. And then of course, Matt Breida's home run ability is something that shouldn't be downplayed either. Now the receiver situation for Miami should look better this week. Last week, receivers Devontae Parker and Jakeem Grant both missed the game, as well as tight end Mike Gesicki. Parker, Grant, and Gesicki were all limited in practice on Wednesday, but there is some optimism about their availability. Receiver Lynn Bowden Jr. continues to make a name for himself and should be featured pretty heavily in the offense, regardless of whether the players were mentioned just prior, uh, if they play or not. Bowden looks like an absolute baller and he has been reliable as well as electric with the ball in his hands. Over the last three games, Bowden is averaging six catches and 53 yards per game, which is pretty respectable. The Dolphins offensive line had their best game of the season last week, opening up holes for the rushing attack to have that massive day. They will be up against a Raiders defense that is in the bottom of the NFL in sacks this season, which is priming them for yet another opportunity for what should be a solid outing. Now, if we take a look at the Dolphins defense, after last week's win against the Patriots, the Dolphins moved up to that coveted number one spot in fewest points per game allowed. Their defense is irrefutably one of the best in the league, and it's shocking to see how underrated they still are right now. The Dolphins defense will once again be led by superstar cornerback Xavier Howard. Howard did not have an interception last week, which is surprising given the rate that he's been getting these picks, but he did have yet another takeaway. He forced this very clutch fumble that Miami was able to recover. Defensive end Emmanuel Ogba as well as defensive tackle Zach Sealer have been the stars on this Dolphins defensive line, but will be in for a tough challenge against a Raiders offensive line that has emerged as one of the tougher ones in the entire NFL. Ogba will be tasked with trying to sack Carr, who is in the bottom 10 of sacks this season, and Sealer will be tasked with stopping what is a very heavy run offense. Safety Eric Rowe, who has done a fine job at neutralizing opposing tight ends if you take away one game against Travis Kelsey he'll be up against the second best tight end in football this week with Darren Waller and Rowe recognizes that it will be a difficult task he said quote he is definitely a different breed he's not even a tight end he's basically a receiver a big receiver he's explosive he can run it's definitely going to be a huge challenge this week close quote so we'll move on to taking a look at the Raiders the Raiders quarterback situation is currently up in the air. Derek Carr sustained a groin injury, allowing Marcus Mariota to take over and command the team to a victory. Now, when it comes to Derek Carr, it seems like we have enough of a sample of him to know what he is. He kind of teeters in that above average to below average area. He rarely looks absolutely atrocious, and aside from that near MVP season in 2016, he hasn't looked terrific on too many occasions either. This season, though, 
he has looked pretty good, I will say, for the most part. He has 3,396 yards passing, 24 touchdowns, and 7 interceptions. His 68% completion percentage is in the top 10 in the league. Carr's performance was regarded by most as an impressive rebound so far this season. Now, with Mariota, things get a bit interesting because Mariota is more of the boomer bust kind of player. Mariota is capable of putting up really, really bad performances, as we saw when the Titans eventually turned the team over to Tannehill. However, though, Mariota has also had a few instances where he had these spectacular performances where he willed his team to an improbable victory in clutch moments against a tough opponent. Again, those moments have been few and far in between, but it's worth noting nonetheless. Last week, Mariota had 226 yards passing with a touchdown and an interception, and he also showed his mobility with his legs, picking up 88 yards, 9 carries with a touchdown all on the ground. Now, as for Carr's injury status right now, he practiced in full on Wednesday and says that he will do whatever he can to play in this game. Now, the Raiders' offense revolves around their running game, which is led by Josh Jacobs. Jacobs is in his second year, and he's doing pretty well. Last year, many considered Jacobs to have been the better candidate for Rookie of the Year, but as most of us have come to learn, awards are just dominated by quarterbacks. This season, however, Jacobs has 907 yards rushing and 10 touchdowns. Now, despite their desire to run the ball, the Raiders have kind of struggled to some extent. Jacobs only has two rushes this season of 20-plus yards. Now, somehow, Jacobs was selected to the popularity contest, I mean the Pro Bowl, over Jaguars running back James Robinson. Jacobs has two games this season with over 100 yards rushing, a feat which he accomplished five times last year in his rookie season. Now, similar to the matchup versus the Chiefs, the Raiders' primary pass catcher is a tight end. That is Darren Waller. Darren Waller is having a spectacular season this year, cementing himself as one of the top tight ends in all of football. For this season, at least, with Kittle kind of battling some injuries, it's indisputable that Waller is the second best tight end in football, and it's not really even close. Darren Waller is six foot six and possesses that massive frame. He has 4.46 speed, making him closer to a receiver than a traditional tight end. He is the seventh most targeted player in football, currently tied with Tyreek Hill. In week 13, he had just this ridiculous game where he had 200 yards on 13 catches with two touchdowns. Last week, he had nine catches for 150 yards and a touchdown. So Waller is just currently putting up wide receiver one numbers, and he should be respected and treated as such. On the season, he has 967 yards and eight touchdowns. Now, safety Eric Rowe, who I mentioned earlier, had a rough game against Kelsey two weeks ago, and Waller will be just as much of a challenge. Rowe in that game against the Chiefs was credited with allowing 144 yards against the Chiefs, a game which Kelsey had 136 yards and a touchdown. Now, aside from Waller, the receiver group for the Raiders isn't really threatening at all at this point. The team's leading receiver is currently Nelson Aguilar, who has 684 yards receiving. Two weeks ago, Aguilar had a huge day, raking in 100 yards and a touchdown against a very tough Indianapolis defense. Now, Aguilar definitely shows some flashes as to why the Eagles selected him in the first round, but he still seems far from being a true primary receiver. Most Dolphin fans are aware of who Henry Ruggs 
the third is. Ruggs was teammates with Tungavailoa at Alabama, and the two looked nearly unstoppable. Ruggs displays an incredible 4.27 speed, leading to many comparisons to Tyreek Hill. He was the first receiver selected in this year's draft, and that was again ahead of guys like Justin Jefferson, T. Higgins, Jerry Judy, and CeeDee Lamb. Ruggs' season has been far from the level of success that Higgins and Justin Jefferson have had so far. This season, Ruggs has 414 yards receiving and two touchdowns. It's important to note, though he may not be consistent, his incredible speed allows him to capitalize on just these massive plays that really can define uh, a game. He has the seventh most catches of 40 plus yards this season, and his average of 18 yards per reception is third in the NFL. Receiver Hunter Renfro has carved out a nice role as a reliable safety net. Renfro has 598 yards on the season, with 308 of those coming after the catch. Now, the Raiders offensive line, as I mentioned earlier, has been impressive all season. Derek Carr has been sacked only 20 times, which is in the bottom half of the league. Rodney Hudson and Colton Miller are the anchors of this offensive line, which many consider Hudson to be one of the bigger Pro Bowl snubs of this season. There have been seven games this season where Derek Carr was sacked one time or fewer. The Raiders offensive line has been in the top 10 in terms of limiting pressure, quarterback hits, and providing time until the pocket collapses. Guard Gabe Jackson uh, has been considered by most to be one of the most surprising improvements on this Raiders roster. The Raiders will enter this game with one of the weaker defensive units though in the entire NFL. They are currently allowing 30.1 points per game, which is the fourth most in the league. They are in both the bottom eight in rushing yards allowed and in passing yards allowed, showing that teams generally don't really have much trouble moving the ball against the Raiders. The Raiders are allowing the fifth most uh, yards per carry at 4.6, which is also tied with the Dolphins. You guys know how I've felt about the Dolphins' ability to stop the run so far this season. They also have the second most missed tackles in the NFL with 121. The Raiders have the third lowest blitz percentage in the NFL and the second fewest sacks in the league at only 16 on the season. Now, it's hard to say the Raiders defense has a true leader or a best player at this moment, but if there was one player that had to be named, it would be their linebacker, Nick Kukowski, who is actually expected to miss this game after being placed on the COVID-19 reserve list. He is a team's leading tackler currently with 81 and has received a ton of praise for his ability in coverage as well. Defensive end Max Crosby leads the team in sacks with six. Safety Jonathan Abram, who is second on the team in tackles with 77, is allowing a completion percentage of 75% this season. And he is also allowing 17 yards per reception when targeted. He has a grade of 37 according to Pro Football Focus, which is just absolutely terrible for those who are into Pro Football Focus's grades. Now, cornerback Trayvon Mullen has been getting torched as well this season. He is credited with allowing 558 yards on the season, five touchdowns, and a quarterback rating of 95 when targeted this season. So that is also pretty terrible. So to get into my expectations for this game, the first one here is that uh, Darren Waller has a good day. Kelsey had a field day against Miami two weeks ago, and though the Chiefs and the Raiders quarterback situation 
situations are worlds apart. I think Waller is extremely talented. The passing offense revolves around him, and if the Raiders want to win this game, he will have to be involved. His combination of size and speed makes me lean towards giving him an advantage over Eric Rowe. You know, I would be biased if I said that Rowe was a better player between the two, and I don't want to be a homer. I want to be honest with you guys. I expect Waller in this game to have 70 plus yards, and I think that's kind of fair. Now, my next expectation here is that we see one of the best all-around games from the Dolphins offense. The Raiders defense is simply just not good. They don't excel in applying pressure or at stopping the run or at stopping the pass game or at preventing points in general. I think the Dolphins run game comes out looking fresh and the passing game just looks fluid. I expect Tua to have over 200 yards passing in this game with the potential for this to be the Dolphins second highest rushing game of the season. My next expectation here is that Henry Ruggs has at least one big play. Ruggs isn't the receiver Tyreek Hill is, but Ruggs is still capable of utilizing his speed to make huge plays. Hill had several big plays against Miami, and though I'm not sure Ruggs is the focal point of this passing game uh, for the Raiders, I expect him to have at least one big play on Saturday. The Dolphins secondary features a ton of great ball hawks, but uh, no one in the secondary has that particularly uh, blazing speed the way that Henry Ruggs does. The Dolphins defense likes to play aggressive and though it works most of the time it does leave them prone to the big play so I expect Ruggs to have a big play that forces the Dolphins defense to kind of keep an eye on him after they, after they see what he's able to do. I will say though that Henry Ruggs currently is still on the reserve COVID-19 list. Gruden has said that he expects him to play in this game. Of course if that does not happen you could throw this completely out the window. Now to get into my keys to the victory for this game the first one here is stop the run stop the run stop the run the Raiders will enter this game with a question mark at the quarterback position on top of that their receivers generally are not that threatening of a unit and the Dolphins secondary should do a good job at containing them the Raiders game plan seems obvious already and that is to lean on Josh Jacobs the Dolphins must contain him in order to win this game if the Dolphins can keep them under 80 yards rushing I think they have a good shot of winning this game my next key to the victory here is finish drive with points I expect the Dolphins uh, to be able to move down the field with relative ease in this game but they can't have instances like last week where the drive either stalls in the red zone or there's an interception in the end zone touchdown should be the priority but the Dolphins need to make sure they aren't leaving any points on the board and they need to capitalize and not make mistakes here now my last key to the victory is to prevent the big play uh, in the expectations I already have that Ruggs has at least one big play but the Dolphins can't allow the, the Raiders to have multiple of these big plays. As mentioned, going deep is Henry Ruggs' forte but Nelson Aguilar is averaging over 16 yards per reception as well which is in the top 10 in the NFL. Darren Waller is just as much of a receiver as he is a tight end and he too has some breakaway speed that allows him to run for a ton after the catch. The Raiders 10 pass passes of 40 plus yards is fourth in the NFL. The Dolphins can't allow the Raiders to capitalize on big plays if the defense makes mistakes. So guys, that is how I'm going to wrap up today's episode. As always, if you'd like to follow me on Twitter, you can do so. That is at via the source and also at Shady Steven. As always, guys, if you have any questions or comments that you would like for me to discuss on the podcast, feel 
free to reach out to me on there. Guys, I appreciate all the support, and I do see the reviews you guys are leaving on the Apple Podcast app. I've seen one from Roch or Rock. I'm not sure how it's pronounced, but I appreciate the positive reviews from you as well. As always, the guys like Baker, Reforic on Twitter, McClifford, uh, uh, Leandro, uh, you guys have been a tremendous help so far, and I can't thank you guys enough for the continued support, and I'm sure I'm leaving off some other people, and just feel free to reach out to me on Twitter. I'd love to interact with you guys, but guys, that's how I'm going to wrap up this episode. Until next time, I'm Steve Amasso, and this was Via the Source.